Hello, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report, our weekly conversation about the current issues we're exposing, confronting, and changing. I'm your host, Carmen Balber, Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, and with me today is Jamie Court. Hey, Jamie. Hey, how are you? Good. Good to have you on. So Jamie and I uh, thought, uh, given uh, the historic week we've had, new administration, uh, out with the old and with the new, that it was a good time to talk about what consumers could expect uh, from the new administration in Washington. And it's been scarily more than a decade uh, since I went to Washington, D.C. to open Consumer Watchdog's Washington office during uh, Joe Biden's last brush with the White House uh, uh, in the Obama administration all the way back in 2009. Um, and back then we had high hopes. Um, we opened that office because uh, we knew there were big opportunities to enact some real strong consumer protections. And so we wanted to talk about what this administration uh, could mean for consumers. So I think uh, everyone knows that one of the biggest challenges that Biden and the country and the world face is climate change. So maybe, Jamie, you can start on whether or not we think we're seeing a new era on climate, what we can expect out of the Biden administration. Well, you know, um, Biden got off the ground running really quickly. He made, obviously, he made climate one of the top crises we had to address uh, in his in his uh, inauguration speech but then he moved really quickly on two key issues one he uh, stopped the building of the Keystone XL pipeline which was a pipeline from uh, Canada uh, with really uh, was, was a pipeline that uh, President Obama uh, stopped uh, the building of uh, and then Trump reinvigorated the building of. And it's a pipeline that would go from uh, from a place where there's really dirty, crude tar sands oil, and it's really hard to extract. It's really an environmental nightmare. It's hard to extract. It's hard to refine. Uh, it's the worst type of crude you, if you're going to use oil. And they could not bring this uh, crude across Canada to export it uh, to Asia and other markets where it could be used in refineries. So they wanted to build this pipeline, the Keystone, through America to get to the Gulf Coast from Canada so they can bring it to Asia. And we proved in the Obama administration that it was going to drive up gas prices because they were going to actually divert a portion of the Keystone pipeline that's used to bring other types of oils into the Midwest for refineries. So those refineries would have less oil. It was all about oil for export. It wasn't going to create jobs uh, because there's only, you know, like a couple hundred jobs, construction jobs, and the pipeline's not going to be maintained. And it's not going to even bring any oil into America. It's going to go to Asia, and it's dirty oil, so it's going to hurt the climate. So Obama actually mentioned our research on gas prices going up in denying the pipeline. Trump approved it in one of his first actions in office. Biden put the gabosh on it. So it's really good news uh, for consumers and for the environment, and, um, and, it, and it's a restoration of, of, what, of what President Obama did. On the other issue, uh, he had the uh, his his um, uh, his it was taken the action taken by his Secretary of the Interior, uh, who's the first Native American to hold that post, and she actually uh, stopped drilling on federal lands, which is uh, you know a big a big uh, a big signal about uh, stopping drilling. Um, and uh, not that there is much drilling these days because there's not much market for oil, but it is an important signal. Uh, that we are going to uh, an age of a just, just transition away from oil drilling, hopefully under the Obama administration. So he's done more uh, on this count than uh, Governor Newsom's done in his two years in office to, to, to limit oil drilling. And we're real happy that uh, it's off to a good start. And we got to keep it going in the right direction. 
And of course, we've got um, just the uh, foundational uh, move that he has promised to make that we're going to rejoin uh, the Paris uh, Climate Agreement as well. So. Yeah, of course, of course. Sorry about that. Yes, that was that is. It's all it's all reset though, right? It's it's all a big reset. Um, but we need the reset before we can move forward. And the gauge will be um, how his uh, new appointees prioritize climate in all of the in all of the um, agencies going forward. But um, he's off to a good start on that front. Uh, mm -hmm. Big move, um, big topic that, uh, of course, was one of the big issues that we worked on uh, all the way back in 2009 with the Obama administration uh, is also health care. We had four years of the Trump administration trying to roll back the ACA uh, primarily ineffectually. Uh, but they definitely whittled away around the edges, and we expect the Biden administration to reverse some of those worst steps and move us forward on some important aspects of health reform. So what are some of the details on the health care front, Jamie? Well, uh, I think, um, first of all, when you went to Washington, Carmen, one of our big victories was actually getting it put in the uh, Affordable Care Act protections against people who were denied um, uh, insurance for their pre-existing conditions. We had made that case for years, and and a provision that they can't uh, rescind or take back their health insurance policy because of a minor omission on an enrollment application, which they were doing all the time. A lot of scandals in California. You when you brought you went to Washington and, and represented us there. We got a lot of this uh, uh, very strong uh, language in the uh, Obamacare, and I expect as insurance abuse comes up. Um, we will be able to have a good ear in the administration to deal with it. And there is a, it, there are insurance abuse issues that we think the Obama administration is going to have to deal with. But big picture, two key issues. One is prescription drug prices, which are through the roof. And Obama, to get Obamacare, uh, basically uh, made a deal with the devil, made a deal with the drug companies, and said he was not going to do bulk purchasing in Medicare, which would save huge amounts of money for the system because we pay as a nation and as a Medicare program, 66% more for our drugs than everywhere else in the rest of the world because we don't buy them in bulk. He said, I'll forego that if you back Obamacare and you do ads for it. And they did, and Obamacare passed. But we never got bulk purchasing uh, for prescription drugs, which is an issue going all the way back to Al Gore. Um, so I hope that issue comes up again because Joe Biden voted uh, in 2005 uh, in the Senate as a senator for bulk purchasing for prescription drugs. And if we do that as a nation, we will save literally hundreds of billions of dollars uh, as a nation on the excessive bill we have for prescription drugs. Uh, so it's a question of whether he's going to go buck the pharmaceutical industry now that the pharmaceutical industry uh, is is making the vaccines. Um, I hope he does because it'll save our company country a lot of money and it'll be a good, it'll be a very important lesson. The other issue is the public option. Uh, whether we have the votes in the Senate for that is a whole other issue. But he, uh, I think he should. He's going to come out as a campaign promise. For an option uh, on on Obamacare exchange for a non-insurance company run, uh, non-insurance company financed um, public health plan that would compete with the private market and would you know be many people be, believe the first step towards a single payer, uh, and I think I think there's a chance he could get that option. Yeah, and we've uh, you know on the on the uh, fix what. Trump broke front. Uh, we've, uh, we're expecting, although they didn't happen on the first couple of days, a uh, number of reversals of Trump's really draconian uh, efforts on uh, abortion, uh, restoring abortion coverage to the ACA, restoring, no doubt, uh, Title X federal funding, eligibility to Planned Parenthood, um, <clears throat> 
rescinding uh, the country's refusal refusal to uh, let let countries use uh, overseas aid uh, to pay for abortions, things on those fronts. It's a huge, um, and, it's a huge, it's a huge deals. But but again, it's like a reset, right? It's a reset <laughs> exactly. To, um, and and another reset is an issue that you worked on, which is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, you helped get it up and running when you were in Washington D.C. and there's going to be a big reset on that. What's that going to look like? Well, the CFPB is one of the areas where the Trump administration really successfully got, you know, eight years of significant progress. So really good news on that front uh, with uh, Biden's nominee uh, to head the CFPB, a former Elizabeth Warren deputy, uh, Rohit Chopra, who's at the uh, FTC now, a very progressive advocate and and has been nominated uh, for the CFPB. You know, the Trump administration really gutted a lot of uh, that agency's actions. In fact, it's gotten known for uh, issuing $1 fines uh, to companies uh, that uh, it uh, prosecutes uh, for violating uh, consumer protections. And so um, just restoring the enforcement priorities of that agency is going to be a huge step forward. But, uh, you know, the the agency effectively eliminated the Office of Fair Lending, um, took away all of its enforcement powers. And that was the, you know, the office that was key to eliminating racial disparities, um, uh, discrimination in lending. And so um, no doubt uh, the new administration will restore those powers um, and reverse a rollback uh, of a payday lending rule that the Trump administration trashed um, that uh, was a huge protection that finally got put into place just before uh, Trump took office and then was uh, quickly rolled back. So a lot of uh, real positive uh, movement at the CFPB that has been, um, you know, was one of the biggest achievements uh, of out of the Obama administration during the financial reform uh, movement. I spent a lot of time working to make sure the CFPB was as powerful as it could be. And the Trump administration really gutted a lot of that authority. So that could be that will be a huge, huge new, uh, huge step back towards uh, the protections that we that we won under Obama. And then uh, there's, of course, uh, technology. Um, we uh, expect uh, a lot of movement uh, on the technology front, uh, both on privacy, antitrust enforcement, and even uh, in the automotive world. Uh, one of the big things that we'll talk about, uh, we'll maybe table for this week, is uh, Section 230 and a reform of immunity or liability for websites like Google, who right now uh, have no responsibility for anything that they publish, dangerous or otherwise on their websites, but we've got a great expert to talk about that on the podcast next week. So I'll table that one for now, but we also anticipate big moves um, on the robot car front and uh, the uh, potential for the Department of Transportation to really finally put some new rules of the road uh, for robot car safety. Maybe you wanna talk about that quickly, Jamie. Well, not just robot cars, but cars that are connected to the internet that are mm -hmm. uh, on their way to becoming robot cars. You know, cars are now just sort of computers with wheels, and they have to be wirelessly connected. Uh, they don't have to be, but they are wirelessly connected. And as we, as you know, we 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 hacked the Tesla to show that those wireless connections are not secure. Um, and uh, and we've been urging big safety rules for um, the design of these cars, because there are no safety rules for the design of the cars. There's a, a UN protocol 
that the European Union and other uh, areas around the globe in Asia are requiring of their car makers for these designs for cybersecurity, and the United States hasn't done it. We hope the United States will adopt it. We hope there's going to be a big uh, change at NHTSA, uh, National uh, Highway Traffic Safety Administration, so that we're going to have a real um, regulator there who uh, who will uh, enforce uh, enforce the laws and, and and make companies do recalls when there is are, are hacks and make them disclose uh, cybersecurity threats. So that's a big deal. On the other uh, part of it is. We, we, we have a push to get these, we call them robot cars or, or autonomous cars on the road. And there was such a push that there were actually no rules by the last NITS uh, administration. And even under the Obama administration, the rules were just, you know, send us a note and tell us you've got these areas covered. And then we'll, then you can, then you can test all you want. Well, we've had deaths. We've had a lot of safety issues with these cars. They've been re-envisioned. We really need a rigorous uh, regulation to um, make sure that if they're deployed or when they're deployed, that they're safe. Uh, and that, that's going to require um, someone in that NHTSA job who doesn't come from the auto industry. Uh, and the, the last people under Obama came from the auto industry, went to the auto industry. Uh, they're making a lot of money now. We, we need someone who, who's, who's got a, a, a different philosophy and looks out for the public in that position. And we're hoping that's going to happen relatively, uh, relatively soon. And we hope that um, they'll hit the ground running and, and do a reset on, on all those ro- those rules. Well, this, and this is an area where, you know, the we expect the Biden administration to do better than the Obama administration. As you said, you know, they had a revolving door at NHTSA with auto regulators. And the same thing uh, with the tech industry. You know, uh, the tech industry worked hand in glove with the Obama administration um, and uh, seemed to be able to do no wrong. And we expect a reset of that or are hoping for a reset uh, well, on I'll that tell you front. This. One of the good things about having a president who is wise and wise and uh, doesn't have any political ambitions, maybe even not for a second term, is that he doesn't have to uh, basically kiss anyone's butt. And um, you see it in him adopting, um, you know, language saying I'm for Section 230 reform, because that's a big thumb at the nose at Google and Facebook and those guys. It's totally Mm -hmm. justified. Uh, I'm hoping that the auto industry won't have any kind of influence over the appointment of the NISA supervisor because he doesn't need him or he's not thinking about needing him. Our country's in such crisis. I don't think he's really thinking about what looks ahead, about what lays ahead, other than putting good people in, good, in, in a place where they can do some good. Uh, he knows there's going to be a lot more uh, scrutiny on him than there was probably on Obama too in these choices. And uh, and I'm hoping we're hoping for a lot better picks uh, in, in the regulatory roles across the board. All right, thanks, Jamie. Well, that's it for today. We can delve more into many of these topics in the weeks and months to come. And next week, I will have one of those guests, uh, Mary Mazio, who was the director of a movie, I Am Jane Doe, that delved into the problems uh, with the immunity companies get under Section 230 and was the impetus for the first chink in the armor, uh, creating liability for companies uh, when they facilitate sex trafficking online. And so Mary will have a lot of really interesting insight into what the next administration will do on that front. So tune in next week uh, for Mary. And thanks for tuning in this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carmen Balber, and this has been the Rage for Justice Report.